Chapter 10 of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie, a tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Gerville. Translated by Mary Neil Sherwood. Chapter 10. Clotilde. Two weeks had elapsed. Bonne Marie had no more letters to deliver. She had been everywhere, and furthermore had answered a number of advertisements for governesses and the like, but all without avail. She had begun to think, seriously, of going into service, when the idea struck her that she could use her talents for embroidery. It was then that the girl realized, for the first time, the small value set on such labor. She was offered twenty francs for embroidery that would have been worth five hundred, and was required to leave a deposit the worth of the materials. After the fourth attempt in this direction, Bonne Marie saw she could never hope to earn her bread thus, and admitted with death in her soul that Paris was no place for her. "'What shall I do now?' she asked herself, as she wandered sadly along one of the bridges. "'Where am I to find an asylum and a crust?' Each day she went to the Champs-Élysées, and there her strength returned to her, as did that of Antaeus in touching the earth. The mere sight of this mirage was to her a glimpse of the promised land. Her mourning and her quiet reserve spared her many of the disagreeable occurrences, which, had her air been different, would most assuredly have beset her at this period of her life. She took her seat, therefore, daily, between the hours of three and five, on a bench near some of those gorgeous nurses, and those dimpled babies with their sweeping skirts, and she watched the incessant flow of equipages and foot-passengers who, at this hour, take their way to the boys. One day, finding that the bench she usually occupied was filled with country people, she wandered on a little further, and found herself opposite one of those concert cafés which attract, night after night, that very large class of people who do not enjoy the solitude of their own apartments. This class is far more numerous than it is usually supposed, for among the people who tread the Parisian pavements, from five o'clock to midnight, there are fully half who do this to avoid the solitude of a home where nothing pleases them. Bonne Marie passed on a little farther, and seated herself on a bench by the side of a path that led from the avenue to the Café Chantante, which, although newly opened, was already very fashionable. With her hands loosely clasped on her knees, she sank into a sad reverie. Her small treasure had been seriously encroached upon already. Autumn would soon be there, and then what would she do in those dark, dreary days? Must she make up her mind to return to Almondville and bear the ridicule? which she knew would be her portion. The young girl's pride was as deeply wounded at this thought as if a stranger had insulted her. Never, she said to herself, never. There was a rehearsal going on at that café chantante, apparently, for several women had passed Mademoiselle Beslin with rolls of music in their hands. Their toilette was in no means remarkable. Their air was that of the ordinary Parisian, who is always carefully dressed. Bonne Marie was far from suspecting that these women, so like all others in her eyes, would appear that evening to more than one provincial, as beings from a different sphere. Two or three young men who seemed to be waiting for someone were lounging about also, each with his roll of music under his arm. La Diva! Here comes La Diva! said one of them, indicating by a look a coupé, which was drawing up at the side of the pavement. The young men hastened towards it, with an air of laughing and possibly exaggerated respect, bowed to the lady who emerged from the carriage, which drove away hastily, and the diva, bowing to all her friends with one comprehensive greeting, slightly raised her long skirts of silk and lace with one hand, and moved towards the café. 
Bonne Marie contemplated this scene in a listless sort of way. She was heartsick as well as physically weary. She thought these men very silly, and the woman extremely insolent. "'What a pretty blonde,' said one of the young men in a low voice, attracting the attention of the diva to Mademoiselle Beslin. The lady turned her superb black eyes on Bonne Marie, and stood still in utter amazement. Bonne Marie turned a haughty, supercilious face upon her. "'I beg your pardon, mademoiselle,' said the singer, with some hesitation. "'But you are so astonishingly like one of my old school friends.' She turned away, but Bonne Marie started up. "'Clotilde!' she exclaimed. "'Clotilde, have you made your fortune?' This artless question brought a smile to the lips of more than one hearer, but Clotilde did not care. She laughed heartily. "'Not exactly,' she answered gaily. "'But where on earth do you come from, Bonne Marie? Why are you here?' "'Not because I have made my fortune. Of that I am quite sure,' answered Mademoiselle, with a forced smile. "'And you would repair this negligence of fate, I fancy,' interrupted her old friend. "'I should not think it so difficult a matter, for you are wonderfully pretty. But you are in black.' Mademoiselle Clotilde, they are waiting for you to begin the rehearsal, a well-shaven individual now came to say. That he belonged to the concert troupe was, and not the café was easy to see, when his emaciated figure was contrasted with those the well-fed waiters. Mademoiselle Clotilde shrugged her shoulders. That is always the way, she murmured. Where are you living, Bonne Marie? The girl told her. Heavens and earth, why are you in such a place? said the singer with uplifted brows. I cannot go into such a part of the town. Come and see me. When? asked Bonne Marie with quickly beating heart. Tomorrow morning at eleven. And La Diva handed a card to her friend and disappeared behind the vine-wreathed door. When she was alone, Bonne Marie looked at the card on which these words were inscribed. Mademoiselle Clotilde, dramatic artist. Dramatic artist? repeated the young girl. Then it is on the stage that fortunes are made, and why not? She returned to her small lodgings, and all about her seemed changed. The old mahogany wardrobe, the large figured curtains, the coarse cotton sheets which were especially horrible to her, who had always been accustomed to the lavender-scented linen, which alone is used in the provinces now, filled her with disgust. The dinner she could not eat. The smell of cooking made her head ache, and the noise from the restaurant was insufferable for it penetrated even to the remote room she occupied. All these poor details now seemed absolutely squalid in her eyes. How different it all was from the silk dress of Clotilde, and the perfume which exhaled from her laces and ribbons. Bonne Marie passed a wretched night, was up and dressed at daybreak, and busy in giving to her simple black dress as good an appearance as possible. Long before the hour appointed, she was on her way to the quarter inhabited by her brilliant friend, and had ample leisure to admire many a sumptuous dwelling. The windows shrouded in lace, the furniture seen dimly through these curtains, the mirrors which gleamed from under those Italian awnings, extended to shut out the August sun, all attracted her and strengthened her and revived her ambitious dreams. At last the clock struck eleven, and she pulled the bell of a door painted light grey. The house was coquettish and dainty. A woman servant appeared, and Bonne Marie was shown into a salon that realized all her dreams. It was only Creton, but it was all so fresh and pretty. The woodwork was painted in light gray, with slender lines of gold, and the portieres and curtains were a rich red. Bold furniture harmonized 
with the subdued tones of the coverings flowers and masses of green were seen everywhere that a vase or a flower pot could be placed while two mirrors one opposite the other reflected crystal chandelier bonne marie had never seen such splendour and stood transfixed it is pretty isn't it said clotilde behind her the young provincial turned around quickly it is superb she said but it must have been frightfully expensive clotilde smiled shrugged her shoulders and drew her friend toward a low sofa tell me your whole story dear she said for you must have had at least one romance in your life everyone has as much as that and besides but for something of the kind you would not be here i have no romance whatever sighed bonne marie she related to clotilde all the disastrous events which had made her sole mistress of her fortunes she unveiled to her friend's eyes all the mysteries of her ambitious young heart she was not ashamed in clotilde's presence for had not her friend reached the end at which she herself now aimed and therefore was it not clear that clotilde must know something of the same suspense and aspirations that were now eating her own heart away no romance not the smallest one in the world insisted the singer bonne marie shook her head but at the same time blushed as she thought of jean baptiste for her conscience reproached her and yet she did not care to give up the fisherman's name as subject for jesting to her brilliant friend well well cried clotilde gaily you are certainly a most extraordinary young woman the idea of you coming to paris to make your fortune and to hope to do it by honest labour with your two hands but you asked bonne marie was it not your talent which gave you all these pretty things clotilde smiled but did not reply immediately you must make a good a great deal of money said the girl of course i do answered clotilde jumping up now come to breakfast the dining room indicated the same comfort elegant without pretension which is the true luxury of those persons who do not care to throw handfuls of money out the window nothing was less like a feudal chateau than this pretty box but all that modern taste had introduced was found within reach the two pretty women seated themselves opposite each other and chatted gaily while they tasted the dainties which had hitherto been a sealed book to bonne marie and now made her open her eyes in wonder the window looked out on the leafy garden of a great hotel the sun softened by the green blinds flashed an occasional golden ray on the crystal sharafs and on the well-kept silver End of chapter ten recording by susanna mason